the back of the church because I wasn't preaching. And uh, Byron, uh, who was sitting right over there, the little boy, uh, was fidgety, as uh, little boys will be during church. You can ask my parents how I was when I was that age. Uh, and so he's fidgeting around, and, and Ted is, was here, and he was trying to to calm Byron down. And uh, after a little bit of time, uh, finally Byron did settle down uh, because uh, he recognized that Ted was trying to be calm and, uh, and his mom gave him a little bit of a talking to. And so, uh, so all of a sudden Ted had a moment to engage in some musical worship. And so Ted starts to, to worship God through singing and he raises his hand in the air like this, right? Uh, and almost immediately, it just lasted a second, but Byron put his hand up in the air just like Ted did. Now, uh, it's clear that all of us seem to follow the examples of other people. Uh, famous psychiatrist Fritz Reddle used to say to groups of parents, get your paper and pencils out. I'm going to tell you the three most important things that you will ever need to know about raising your children. The parents would wait breathlessly for his words of wisdom, and then he would say, Example, example, example. Similarly, Etta LaShawn, a family counselor, uh, often says this, The only way to raise a decent human being is by being one. Now, these two observations are correct, right? We learn from the examples of others, and that's most clear in, in kids, but I think it's clear for all of us. And so, uh, for today, I think uh, another quote, one that, that speaks more directly to what we are, are going to be talking about is appropriate, and this comes from a, a non-famous blogger. This is what they say. Everyone has his or her own example. That person may be your mother, father, sister, brother, teacher, or even your friend. Your example is the one who inspires you to achieve your goal. Your example is the supportive one who urges you on. Your example is the one you admire. You admire how that person behaves. You admire how that person is successful. You admire how, the way that that person copes with life. You admire how that person gets the better of all the obstacles. You admire how that person performs well in his or her duties. Now, I agree with this blogger. I think that all of us do follow an example. I think that uh, whether we know it or not, we are like Byron, and when we see somebody else uh, that we admire, uh, somebody else that is older than us, somebody else that, uh, that is in a position of authority over us, when we see them do things, we seem to follow their example. We seem to do what they do. But I disagree with this blogger on, on another hand. And I disagree because I don't always think that we follow the people that we admire. Instead, I think that we follow people subconsciously. I think that we follow people that we don't even mean to follow and sometimes people that we would never want to follow. The, the clearest example is, is the person who has been abused by their parents, right? And most of the time, uh, people who are abused by their parents come out of that saying, I will never be like my dad. I will never be like my mom. But statistics show that a lot of times the tragic truth is that they end up doing the things that had been demonstrated for them most of their lives. And so, while that blogger makes a good point that we do follow other people, and our behaviors, the way that we act, is based on what we've seen around us, I would disagree with that blogger and say that it's not always, and I would even say it's not most of the time, because we admire somebody that we follow them. It's simply that we follow them because they're around us, uh, whatever it might be. Now, I want you to hear something today, and I think this is 
super important. I think it's even life-changing uh, for some of us right here, okay? And this is what I want you to hear. You can choose what examples you follow, or the examples you follow can choose you. Did you catch that? Let me say it one more time. You can choose the examples that you follow, or the examples you follow can choose you. You have a choice. You can say, I'm going to look at certain people in my life and I'm going to try to follow the pattern that they are living. I'm going to try to model my life based on what they are doing. Or you can just happen to follow accidentally people and that may cause you to follow people that you never thought you would want to follow. Now, while you may never have thought about this before, you may never have thought, I need to pick examples in my life to model my life after, to follow in my behavior, uh, it's pretty clear to see this, right? You see, a lot of people that grow up and do great things or even good things, they can point back to somebody in their lives and say, I wanted to be just like them. It can be a teacher, it can be a parent, it can be a grandparent, it could be somebody in church, it could be somebody that had authority over them in the job, but a lot of people who are successful, at least what we consider successful, point back to somebody in their lives and say, hey, I wanted to be just like them, and so I, I worked hard to follow their example. But on the other hand, you see people who just kind of aren't successful, right? They kind of just kind of go through life and uh, kind of willy-nilly, just one step to the next, whatever it might be. And most of those people seem to try to follow examples that they, that they don't actually say that they're following. They follow the example of people that they see in the media. They follow the example of their parents who probably weren't very good examples. They follow the example of people uh, that, that just should not be their role models. And so I say again, you can either choose the examples that you follow or the examples that you follow will choose you. And a lot of the time, I would even offer most of the time, you will end up following somebody who shouldn't be your role model. Now, here is uh, the truth. I'll just say it straight up. I believe that the best example for us to choose to follow is Jesus. I think that if we want to find an example and we really want to be active about choosing our example, then the best person for us to choose is Jesus. And that is why we are doing the Jesus Experiment. The Jesus Experiment, for those of you who don't know, is a study that we are doing where we look at the life of Jesus and we try to model our lives after Him. And each week, for the next eight weeks, we will look at a scenario in Jesus' life and we will, we will ask ourselves, how did Jesus act, feel, think, speak, and that's it. Act, think, feel, and speak. And then we will say, okay, what is a situation in my life that is similar to the situation that Jesus uh, faced? And then we will say to ourselves, how did I think, feel, act, and speak? And we will try to, as the weeks go on, align our thoughts, actions, and feelings with that of Jesus. The Jesus experiment really is about saying, hey, can I learn to follow actively the example of Jesus? Now, I say that we should do this because I think that Jesus is the best example for us to follow. The Bible tells us that he is uh, perfect, and we just know from history that, that he did amazing things, right? He changed the world for the better, and there is not hardly a person who, who will argue against that. But the truth is, if we're going to be honest with each other, uh, we have to say that, that following through with the Jesus experiment is going to be difficult. 
If we are going to do this experiment in a way that is not just a simple repetition of four letters, WWJD, but we are actively going to strive to live our lives based on the example of Jesus, then it is going to be difficult. A couple reasons that I know this. First of all, for non-Christians, they will tell you and recognize that Jesus is one of the most polarizing figures in the history of humanity. There is nobody quite like Jesus that that puts some people on one side and some people on the other side. And besides that, if you look, uh, if you Google uh, most influential, most important people of all time, Jesus is always going to be in the top five, no matter which list you are looking at. Now, if you're a Christian and you believe the Bible, then you, then you have to even go, man, this is going to be more difficult, right? Because you believe that Jesus is the God of the world who came down onto the earth and lived a sinless life and died for your sins, right? And so that makes it pretty difficult to follow his example and to follow it well. But, but, on, but on top of that, his followers recorded for us that he was born of a virgin, that he lived a sinless life, that he helped the lame to walk, and he helped the blind to see, and he helped the mute to speak. They record for us that he he faced off with the devil, and he won. They record for us that that he was able to, to continue to love and pray for the people who were beating him up and eventually killing him. And finally it records that the man died and then rose again. And so when we look at the life of Jesus... If we say to ourselves, this will be simple. I mean, I'll just look at one of the situations in his life and, and, and it will be easy. I'll just, I'll just follow his example. Then we are lying to ourselves and, and, and even lying to others. If we are truly going to say, I'm going to actively, actively make Jesus the example that I'm going to try to follow in my life, then it is going to be one of the hardest things that you have ever done. Now, in the first chapter of the book, which you should be reading or, or have read, uh, Bill Perkins says uh, that, that it is something that was difficult for him as he began this experiment. But he also says that one of the things that, that we're testing in this experiment is whether or not it is going to be as fulfilling to follow Jesus as Jesus claims it's going to be. And so in the next eight weeks, we will find out whether or not it has been worth it to strive for this very difficult thing. But as we begin this, I don't want to talk about what chapter 1 said. That would be boring for those of you who have read it. Instead, I want to talk about this idea of following the example of Jesus. Because here's the thing about Christians. Oftentimes we have these little phrases that we say, these little cute sayings that, that we like that have been passed down to us, some for hundreds, maybe even thousands of years. But a lot of times they don't have a lot of meaning to us, right? Like, I want to follow hard after Jesus. Or I want to live more christ like or I want to follow the example of Jesus and, and sometimes we say those things because we know we should when we're around other church people but but what does that really mean what does it mean to follow the example of Jesus and what does the Bible say about it I mean if it is so hard then does the Bible really say that I need to follow the life of this person who who bled and died for my sins and what does that mean and so what I want to do today is I, I, I want to look at three verses in the Bible that use three different words, and those words all mean example, but they're different. And uh, through my three illustrations that, uh, that I will give to you today, I think that we will begin to understand what it really means to follow the example 
of Jesus. So that when we go through these next seven weeks, which I hope you will go through it with us. I hope you will buy the book. I hope that you will get in a connect group. And I hope that you will come and listen to my sermons. And most importantly, I hope that you will try to follow the example of Jesus. I hope that. But as we go through this and we do this experiment, uh, we kind of understand what it really means to follow the example of Jesus. And we don't just say, yeah, I want to follow the example of Jesus, but we go, wow, the Bible told me that I should follow the example of Jesus. And the Bible showed me what it means to follow the example of Jesus. And so when we ask ourselves, what did Jesus think, feel, act, and speak, and we try to align ourselves, it isn't just because we're doing it as a church, it's because we know that the Word of God has showed us that that is the way that we should live our lives if we call ourselves Christians. The first verse is 1 Thessalonians 1.7. I'll be flipping around today. You can try to flip if you want, but we'll put them up on the board. 1 Thessalonians 1.7 says this, And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Now, I want to give you this in another uh, translation, a more literal translation, the ESV, uh, so that there's no confusion. It says this, So that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Now, Here Paul is saying to the people at the church in Thessalonica that they have become examples. Now you say, well Chad, you're contradicting yourself already and you've only been talking five minutes. You just said that Jesus should be our perfect example. And now you're talking about this group of church members who had become the example. Paul is talking about them becoming examples. The example. Now, two reasons that this verse is important. The first one, the lesser reason today. The second one, even better. Uh, but the first reason is this. The Bible makes pretty clear that if we want to follow the example of Jesus, one of the best ways that we can do that is to follow the example of another person who is already following the example of Jesus. Throughout the New Testament, when the word example comes up, we see it connected to some of the great people of the Christian faith. Paul in 1 Corinthians 11.1 says, uh, in another word, for example, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Paul says, look, if you want to be an imitator of Christ, follow my example because I'm striving to follow his example. James talks about the prophets of old being examples for us to live our lives. And so the Bible makes clear that if we want to follow the example of Jesus, one of the ways that we can do that is to follow the examples of others who are following the example of Jesus. Now on the flip side of that, if you need some motivation to go through this experiment with us, if we want to be good examples to other people, then part of that is us following the example of Christ. Uh, Most people have somebody that they are an example to. The only question is whether or not you are a good example or not. And if we are going to follow what the New Testament teaches us, then being a good example means following the example of Jesus. You may have wondered why I titled this sermon just one word, example. It's because I'm going to say example as many times as I possibly can in the next 15 minutes or so. And so the Bible teaches clearly that a great way to follow the example of Jesus is to follow the example of others who are following the example of Jesus. But on top of that, If we want to be a good example to people, then we ourselves must follow the example of Jesus. If you want to be a good example to your children and to your grandchildren, you must follow the example of Jesus. If you want to be a good example to our children that come to this church, then you must follow the example of Jesus. And so right away in this verse, 1 Thessalonians 1.7, we see some more motivation. 
If being a Christian was not enough of a motivation for you to want to follow Jesus, then this is a great motivation. You become a better example for others when you follow the example of Christ. But that's not the real reason that I bring up this verse. The, the real reason is that the Greek word here used for example is the Greek word tupos. And there's a couple things that I want you to notice about this word. First of all, it says to these people that they became examples. It doesn't say here that they were examples, that they naturally were people who were followable and that should be followed with their lives. It says that they became examples, that something happened to them that caused them to be people that Paul would encourage others to follow. Now when you look at the word tupos and its meaning, then you begin to understand uh, why he is saying that. The word means this, a mark or impress made by a hard substance on a softer one, or a blow then, that which is produced by a blow, the mark of a blow. This reminds me of Oh, I know you're excited for this. This reminds me of my first baseball glove. Um, if you want to see a picture of me in this glove from when I was, I think, six or seven years old, you can see it. I've had it since then. Uh, first baseball glove right here. Uh, it's too small for me now. Uh, but I remember getting this glove, and I remember other gloves that I got through the years when I outgrew this one and needed ones that were ten times more expensive than this one. Uh, and when you get a baseball glove, it sits open like this, okay? And if you've never played baseball or softball, then, then you may not know this, but it sits open like this. And, and no matter how hard, especially when you're six years old, you try to squeeze your hand together, it just doesn't happen, okay? And so, when you first get a glove, you're like, oh, I want to work in that baseball glove. I want to, that's what we call it. I want to make it so that I can actually catch a baseball with that glove right there. And so you do some crazy stuff, right? Like uh, you put a ball in there and you tie a belt around it. That's one common way to do it. Um, uh, if you're ever going to do that, use a softball because it will create a much better pocket. Uh, that was just a free uh, life lesson for you. Uh, but uh, you, you put oil in it and, and you sit there and you rub oil into it and it kind of helps. And, uh, and if you don't know anything about baseball, then you put it on your pillow uh, and you sleep on it, uh, which it looks like I did because look how flat it came right that may have happened um, but as you grow in your baseball career you quickly realize that no matter how hard you work there is only one thing that can really make a glove into what a glove is supposed to be something that catches a ball and that is by going out and playing catch and you go out and you play catch and you have your dad throw the ball as hard as he can to you and you catch it and it hits and over time Lots of time, you begin to be able to squeeze the glove and it becomes something that is usable. When Paul uses this word and says that these people have become examples, he's saying you've become something that has been so impressed by Jesus over time that now you have become followable. So when Paul uses this word, what he's saying to you and I is that following the example of Jesus is not first and foremost about saying, I will be more like Christ. I will be more like Christ. It is first and foremost about being impressed by the person of Jesus. 
For most people, they will, a couple of times in their life, be truly impressed by the love of God. They will say, when they become Christians, man, this is impressive that God would die for my sins. And then maybe they'll have one church experience in their lives where where their pastor preaches a great sermon and they kind of connect and they're like, man, Jesus is impressive. And then maybe they'll go to a camp once and just be impressed by God. But if we are going to follow the example of Jesus and become examples of Jesus, then it is going to take us being impressed by Him over and over and over. And that takes work. We can't just sit around and have that happen. We must be striving to spend time with Him. We must be worshiping Him. We must be reading His Word. And we must be trying actively to to allow ourselves to be impressed by Him. On a, on a daily basis, on a consistent basis. That is the first step in following the example of Jesus. The next passage of Scripture is John thirteen fifteen, And it says this, For I have given you an example that you also should do, just as I have done to you. I want to give you the context here. Now, Jesus is about to die, but before he dies, he's alone with his disciples. And he pulls his disciples away and he says, I'm going to wash your feet. He ties a towel around his waist to get the basin of water out. And disciples say, whoa, you can't, can't wash our feet. Uh, you're Jesus and we're just your disciples. And Jesus says, I'm going to do this. Now, if you don't know, uh, washing somebody's feet today is, uh, is a pretty disgusting thing. Thing to do. I mean, uh, I asked people on Facebook uh, if they have ever had this experience this last week, and uh, and the response was always uh, from people. It was very humbling, even for the person who it was being done to. Probably because they were looking at their feet and thinking, "Man, uh, I don't really want people washing these things, right?" Uh, but it's a humbling experience, and when Jesus lived. It was even more of a humbling experience for two reasons. They didn't have automobiles, so they walked everywhere. Maybe three reasons. Second, they didn't have modern-day shoes, and so they would have been wearing sandals around. And third, Jesus lived in a dustier part of the world. And so you're talking about some really disgusting feet that these people would have had. It would have not been like the feet that we see today, even the worst of feet probably. It would have been just gross, right? And so when Jesus bends down to do this, he's doing something that's very humbling and very loving. If you go back to verse 14, he says this, if then I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, this is just after he washed their feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. In verse 16, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Jesus looks at his disciples. And he says to them, I have done this humble thing for you, and you are not as great as me. I am your master, and you are my follower. And so if I have humbled myself enough to be willing to do this thing, then you should be humble enough to lower yourself and love others. So the immediate context here is about lowering ourselves for the good of others. But in it, in this moment, we see something from Jesus. And that is, it takes humility if we are going to follow his example. If we are truly going to follow the example of Jesus, then we must be people who look at Jesus and say, you are greater and I am lesser. And so I desire and want to be more like you. The Greek word here for example is hupodegma. And the word refers to an image or a model or a copy. And if you go back to the Old Testament, uh, David is, uh, is 
passionate about building the temple of God. But God tells him that he can't do it because he's been too much of a warrior. He's shed too much blood. And so God says, your son Solomon will be the one who who is going to build this temple. And so it says in the Old Testament that David gave him an example of what this temple is going to look like. And the, the Greek version of the Old Testament actually uses this same word, hupodegma, for that example. And so the word describes something that represents the original, a model, if you will. And in fact, reminds me of my remote control car. Now, uh, in a perfect world, I would have driven this a couple of times in the last 15 years, and it wouldn't have had a wrecked tire, and I would have driven it in here. Uh, it would have been pretty, pretty awesome, right, if I had the car driving in from the back. Uh, but the tires are shot, um, because this is, this is from my childhood. This, this goes way back. Uh, it's been a really long time since I drove it. And, um, I got this pretty soon after going to the Monster Truck Show at the Memorial Coliseum, okay? And so we went to the Monster Truck Show. It was loud. It was horribly loud. That was the worst part. Uh, but as a kid, you're seeing these giant trucks. Bigfoot was the famous one at the time and still has a special place in my heart. And it's running over all these cars, right? And so when you go to your birthday or Christmas, I don't remember when I got it, and you open up this guy, your first thought as a six-year-old, it doesn't look like Bigfoot. Uh, but your second thought is, wow, that's really cool because it looks like all those big trucks that I saw. It looks like an example, a model of those giant things that I saw running over other cars. And so when you go outside and, and you're driving it around, you're going, I just I want to run something over, right? Because I saw them doing it. When, when Jesus says to his disciples, you need to follow my example, he's saying, I'm Bigfoot, and you are one of these if you're, if you're doing what you should be doing. It, it, it really, following the example of Jesus is about looking at his grand example and saying, man, you did things miraculous, you did things perfectly, you did things out of total love and forgiveness and kindness, and I see that example, and I know that I'm, I'm never going to be you, Jesus, but because I love you, I'm going to do my best to be a model of that. I'm going to do my best to be an example of that. That's the second aspect of of following Jesus, is to to look at his greatness and try to make our lives look just like it. The third verse is 1 Peter 2.21, and it says this, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. Notice once again that Jesus is the example. This time though it's connected to suffering. Got to go back a couple verses to understand it. 18 through 20 says this. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters. Not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if you bear up under the pain of unjust suffering because you are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, This is commendable before God. And so Peter is talking to slaves. He's looking at these slaves and saying, you need to live like Jesus. That's kind of been the whole point of the book of Peter because you know that Jesus loves you and you get to go to heaven someday, live for Jesus. And now he he stops and he pauses and he says, slaves, I recognize how difficult it is for you to follow Christ. I recognize how hard it is for you to live your life for Jesus. These people are beating you. 
They're hurting you. They're treating you with no respect at all. And it's going to be difficult for you to continue to love them and forgive them and and treat them like Jesus would have treated them. But Peter looks at them and he says, when it gets difficult to follow the example of Jesus, all the more you need to follow the example of Jesus. Because when it was hardest for him to live the life that God had called him to, that is when his life shined brightly more brightly than it ever had before. When the people were beating him and mocking him and whipping him and putting a crown of thorns on his head, that is when Jesus is most impressive because he continued to live a life that reflected the glory of his Father in heaven. And so Peter looks at these slaves and he says, Look, if you're going to follow the example of Jesus, then you must follow the example even more clearly when it gets difficult to follow his example. Peter says to these people about Jesus that he was the example when he suffered. But it's funny because the moments in which Jesus suffered were the worst of Peter's life. If you know the story, Jesus is about to be arrested and Peter says, I will follow you. I will follow you even unto death. And then the people come to arrest Jesus. Jesus is peaceful and kind to these people. And Peter cuts off a guy's ear. doesn't follow the example of Jesus. And then Jesus is being led away. And what does Peter do? He falls behind. He says, whoa, I don't want to be close to that situation. And then trying to get a view of what's going on because he cares about Jesus. He, he stays at a distance and he's hanging out by a campfire. And three times people say, hey, were you one of the followers of this guy? And three times Peter says, no. Peter recognized in his own life that when it was hard, he stopped following Jesus. But he looks at these slaves and he says, when it's hard, that's when you need to most clearly follow the example of Jesus because he did it perfectly and I didn't. He doesn't say, you can follow my example, notice. He doesn't pull a Paul and say, be an imitator of me in that situation. He says, no, you need to look at the example of Jesus. The word he uses, for example, here is hupogram and it means writing underneath. Uh, it is a word that was used, I've told you this before, uh, for the process of a teacher writing out letters that, that their students could trace so that they could r- learn to write. And so, uh, so the, the teacher would write down something and then the kid would come along and, and trace it. And uh, it reminds me of, and this one's not nearly as cool, I apologize, uh, but of the stencils I had growing up. And I couldn't find the stencils that I had growing up, uh, uh, but I have these. And what was great about the stencils that I had growing up uh, is that they were made of plastic and they were thicker, right? And I, I had two times that my dad got called in to meet with my teachers. One, because I couldn't skip uh, in kindergarten. And then in second grade, uh, because my handwriting was so horrible, right? And maybe it's because of these stencils. Because these stencils, you could just put your pencil in and kind of run it around, uh, and your pencil would never fall out, right? And so you could, you could make beautiful works of art, and for me anyway. Uh, and, and, you know, I could, I could draw dinosaurs because I had dinosaurs, and I could draw, like, Christmas stuff and presents and things. Maybe this is why I have such horrible handwriting, actually, uh, because I never really, I had the wrong stencils. Uh, but what Jesus is to us, Peter is saying, is, is the writing underneath, uh, literal translation, that we can copy with our lives. Jesus really is our stencil. Uh, For those of us who want to learn how to live, we can just take and begin to trace over and over and over the pattern that He gave us until our lives look more like His life. 
So Peter looks at us and he says, if you want to follow the example of Jesus, then you must carefully trace his life. Now he adds a word to this, Peter. He adds a word. The word is ignesin, and it means footprints or tracks. I don't want you to miss this. I, I, this is so important uh, for a couple of reasons. One is, is that we have a footprint here, right? Uh, but for two, think about the life of Peter. Peter says, I want you to follow the writing underneath Jesus. And I want you to follow his footsteps. The greatest moment in Peter's life, we just talked about the worst, the greatest moment, I think, in Peter's life, at least before Jesus died and rose again, is when Jesus is out on this sea. And Peter looks out there and he was so desperate to follow Jesus and follow the example of Jesus that he looks out at Jesus and he says, Hey, if you call me, I'll come out there. I'll come out there with you. And Jesus says, Come on. And Peter, I'm sure trembling and scared, gets out of the boat. And he starts to walk where Jesus walked. He perfectly followed the example of of his Savior. And so when Peter says, hey, I want you to live a life of Christ, what he says is that you need to be a person, no matter how scary or how difficult or how wet it is, you need to get out of the boat and you need to follow in the soaking wet footsteps of Jesus. If you are going to be a person who models Jesus, who follows the example of Jesus, then it is going to take getting out of the boat and saying, I don't care how, how big the waves are. I don't care how scared I am of, of all the, the creatures that lie beneath this sea. I am going to follow, to trace the footprints that Jesus has made. If we're going to follow in Jesus' example, it's not going to be easy. Peter could tell you that better than anybody else. It's not going to be simple. But I believe, and Peter knew, that it is going to be worth it. If we will say, I am going to actively, actively try to be like Jesus. To be a person who allows Him to impress me so that I become an example to other people. To be a person who says, hey, Jesus is great and I'll never be Him, but I can kind of look like Him. And to be a person who actively says, I'll just follow what Jesus does. If we are going to do that, then I firmly believe it will be worth it. I'm going to say a prayer and then as the band comes forward, and I, I just will ask that we make these next couple songs the real prayer of our lives. The prayer of the next eight weeks. Uh, and the prayer of hopefully the next all of our years uh, in our lives. Will you please pray with me? Lord, uh, there is no greater example, God. Uh, we can follow the example of our parents. We can follow the example of our, our, our pastors. We can follow the example of, of our bosses, God, or, or some friends that we, that we care about. But Lord, they're all going to fail. They're all going to have problems. And uh, last week, we, we talked, Travis talked about that, God, and, and he said that pretty clearly. Everybody will fail us, God, as an example, except for you, Lord. And so, God, I pray that we, Lord, in the next eight weeks, would learn to be people who actively, actively pursue being more like you, God. I pray that this doesn't just take place in the next eight weeks, but it becomes in the next eight weeks a part of our lives, God. That we would stop being Christians who just say, yeah, I want to be more like Jesus. WWJD, I bought the bracelet, Lord. But, but we would say, God, I'm going to strive to be like you because if I don't, then I'm going to be like other people and they're not as good of an example as you, God. 
Father, I pray that this song that we are about to sing, it would be the prayer of our lives for the rest of our lives. And I pray that you would use the next eight weeks to make that uh, more and more true, Lord. Pray these things, Lord, in your holy name.